It's October 27th, 2022. This is a special edition of Rook. Well, hi there. Welcome to episode 210 of Rook, The Uprising. Dear U.S. Special Envoy for Iran, Robert Malley, surely it's time to step aside? I'm Gian Gomeshi. Hello to you from Toronto. Salam, Dustan Aziz. As we all know, this is a new era when Iranians are spectacularly turning the tide. And for all the platitudes of the White House supporting women and men seeking change, we've learned that you either can't read the room or you're really not on side. Robert Malley, it's about time to step aside. I don't know you. You must be a very smart guy with lots of experience as a lawyer, a political scientist, and working with the National Security Council in the United States. And of course, you were the lead negotiator on that 2015 Iran nuclear deal known as the JCPOA. But while Iranians don't need the U.S. to jump in as the imperialist saviors in this moment, nor do the people of Iran need you standing in their way. And we can only really judge where you stand by what you do and what you say. And so it is more than troubling when you issue a statement earlier this week that Iranians are protesting simply because they want respect from the Islamic Republic. Sorry, what? Have you heard the chants? Have you seen the demonstrations? Do you know why young girls and boys are being murdered by regime militia in the streets? This is about revolution, the desire for regime change. Iranians want the Ayatollahs gone, and as the special envoy, we might expect that you would understand that reality in Iran. Nor do the Iranian people need permission from you or your administration to seek fundamental change. Now we know you showed contrition, but what exactly is your mission? You must be aware of a long-standing notion that the U.S. and other major powers have been quiescent when it comes to the ongoing existence of this murderous regime. Yes, the right things have usually been said publicly, but deals get made, meetings are taken, and in Canada, we still haven't put the IRGC on the terrorist list in full. But even when we know these things happen behind closed doors, like your meetings with Zarif, Western powers are usually better at hiding a desire to enable and maintain the regime in Iran, but you weren't very good at that this week. And so, a petition has been started that has been signed by tens of thousands of people on the worldwide nonprofit website change.org, asking for you and your deputy to be removed from your posts within the Biden administration. And this is not your random cancellation. This is a life and death situation. It's no longer time for nuclear deals. It's no longer time for reformist appeals. The words on the placards say it all. One solution, revolution. And yes, dear Robert Malley, it's likely not only you. There is an agenda that extends far beyond you that may involve the continued insistence on a nuclear deal and ongoing engagement with this Iranian regime. But let's start with your position. Do it as respect for the rebirth of Iranian pride. Go ahead. It's time to step aside. Coming up on this special episode of Rook, four powerful Iranian female voices from different parts of the world, including two inside Iran, plus our Rook Roundtable. This is Rook, episode 210, The Uprising. 40 days and no going back. 
here we are in the Rook Studio with our regular on-air uh, team as we've been doing these um, uprising shows for the last six weeks now, 40 days and now going back. Pega is here. Hi, Smart Pega. Hello. And Shia. Hello, sir. Hi, Aziza. How are you guys doing? Good, not bad. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right. Can't believe it's been 40 days. Well, I'm, I feel really exhausted. Yeah. I can't, I can't hide it. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm tapped out, man. Emotionally, mm, totally drained. Physically, everything. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just 24-7. Mm-hmm. I've canceled on any friends that I was supposed to hang out with, whatever. It's just been this, you know. Yeah. My only social activity has been on the protests. <laughs> yeah. Walking on protests. Is, that, that's where is, I see friends uh, the, now. The, the, the new version of going to the club. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, yeah. But it's, it gives a new meaning to our lives. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I absolutely. There's a reason yeah. we're doing this. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and. Um, and I should say that I'm I'm headed out to Istanbul mm-hmm. um, in a few hours. Um, we had long planned to do our series called Talking to Persians yes. and go to Istanbul and do a version there. And then we were equivocating about whether to go because this isn't a time. The original idea behind Talking to Persians is talking to people who are in a a diasporic city about why did you end up here? Who mm-hmm. is the Persian community in this city? What are they doing? Um, our mission has changed now in the sense that uh, we're still going to go for a few days, um, but I really want to go because um, it's about as close as you can get to Iran right now. And the protests are also happening in Istanbul. Uh, and there is, uh, there's a lot going on there that we hope to capture documentary style. Um, so, um, this is the the last show within the studio for about a week or so, but um, um, I'm excited about this one because we have uh, uh, in Los Angeles Azam Ali coming on the show, um, uh, the great singer and songwriter. She's just put out a new song, yes. a new version of Bad Oye with a with a great group of people um, and a surprising. Um, a group of people. We'll yes. get to that. And Azam has just been very, very outspoken and, and uh, active um, from Los Angeles. Um, she's been outspoken on these on political issues with Iran for years, but um, she's really doing her part right now. So she will be joining us. Um, later in the show, Rahsare Mohammed Khani. She is uh, an activist and um, she's got a PhD in um in chemistry, but uh, she's been so active in London. She's in London, England, and she started this new initiative where she is um, addressing businesses in London, Iranian businesses in London, asking them to support uh, the, the the movement for change in Iran, and if they don't, making that public. And it's a very, very interesting initiative that has gone viral. So Rokhsare will be joining us. I'm very happy to have her coming on from London. Uh, that's in a little while from now. But uh, before that, we are going to, on Thursdays, we've been doing Voices from Iran. And uh, the, we are going to Mashhad and someone named Azadeh and another woman who's in Tehran who we're going to call Lilac. Uh, as her pseudonym, both young women, both who have been on the front lines of the demonstrations. And yesterday was, of course, oh, a pretty epic a day, day yeah, in yeah. Iran. And um, yesterday marked, uh, as the title of today's our episode suggests, 40 days. This was 40 days since the killing of Mahsa Jina Amini. Yes. Um, Shai, you want to explain the, what, why the 40th day anniversary is so important for, in case there's non-Iranians listening? Yeah, I mean, in, in, in Iranian traditional, uh, after someone uh, has passed away, uh, 
there is two days which is important one seven days after uh, his or her death and then the 40 days after his or her death yeah. and so in terms of revolution what what is interesting is that the um, revolution in 1979 happened after like in a domino shape for the deaths of the people uh, so uh. this is important for revolution it's like, sort of a callback yes we're, we're seeing that happening yes, again yes yes did correct. you have did you guys have any i mean i we we had heard and especially because we're in touch with people who are demonstrating in iran for these episodes we had heard that yesterday was going to be a big day yeah. of action <clears throat> but i had no idea it was going to be um, what it was, especially mm-hmm. with the near, I don't know, it looked like 100,000 people or something um, gathering in the hometown of, oh, of Massau yeah. uh, in, in Kurdistan. Did you have any sense of this? Uh? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, just based on tradition and culture and things like that and, and the Chihilom or the 40th day of passing, I, I anticipated that it would be like this. Um, and I think actually the security forces anticipated this as well in the government and the regime because speaking of Saqiz, um, in anticipation of fresh demonstrations, um, they had actually deployed hundreds of um, Basiji forces and things like that all across the varying cities in Iran, especially in Saqiz, to the point that you know thousands of mourners showed up and they were walking along not only the road but through fields, um, across a river to bypass, um, and also just making their way to to the cemetery in any way, shape, or form that they could. And regardless of um, these forces, they still made their way through. Right, but but even two steps uh, further back from that, the demonstration itself, the march itself, was an act of defiance because mm-hmm. ha- didn't the regime say something like even to Massa's family cannot gather to mark this yeah. this date? Well, there was some dictate that we still don't know if Massa's family was actually there or not. There hasn't been any confirmation that her family was there. Right. The, the, I mean, the point being, the regime doesn't take even if it's a. A, a solemn occasion the mm-hmm. regime doesn't necessarily respect that and and mm-hmm. and was continuing its its dictate that people shouldn't gather in the streets now this this happened all over iran mm-hmm. we were seeing uh interesting a lot this week a, a lot more video is coming out of iran yeah. uh we're back to seeing what's going on in the streets to a certain extent yeah. so it looked like it was just everywhere mm-hmm. yes everywhere yeah, I mean, Tehran, Shiraz, Mashhad, um, Mahabad, um, and so many other cities. But actually, a couple of things. Um, I was doing some reading and found a couple of stats from a few of the cities. So, for example, in Tehran, that's where some of the biggest demonstrations were. And um, this is the highest report of clashes between students and the police in downtown Tehran to date. So that was the one of the big occurrences that happened yesterday. Um, we saw a lot of videos coming out yesterday, like you mentioned. So there was that video of the Grand Bazaar in Tehran that yeah. was quite significant um in shiraz there was um reports that there was demonstrations led by high school students more than anybody else so they were a little bit more scattered in shiraz but um i thought that it was really interesting that you know what we've talking about what we've been talking about in terms of the youth in iran and shiraz here are these high school students and they're the ones that are leading these demonstrations on this significant day then we have um, in Mashhad, um, there was actually reports that classes had been canceled in local schools ahead of 
all of these demonstrations. Well, I should say we've heard in advance from uh, Azadeh, the person we're speaking to at Mashhad. Uh, you know, Mashhad has not been, it's been one of the places where there's been a real clampdown. And because mm-hmm. of the nature of the city, uh, it, it's not been the hotbed of demonstrations That's the way, right. say, Tehran has been or Kurdistan or something. But, but that, in fact, it was quite big in Mashhad mm-hmm. yesterday as well. We'll talk to Azadeh, who's there and who was part of it. But um, these are real telltale signs. I mm-hmm. mean, I saw Tabriz, Rasht, right. all, all kinds of places that not, not only. Uh, are people not backing down, but it's growing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, again, I know we've said this a few times, I mean, and, and and maybe when we turned that corner three weeks ago, four weeks ago from it's not a protest, it's a revolution, uh, the, it, it became self-evident, but it really isn't like any other time. Mm-hmm. You know, when when the, the regime act of force, the iron fist, the clampdown, uh, would snuff out the will of the people. In this case, it just, you know, the, the people are not giving up. They're not. And you can see it um, in the way that the um, the Basiji force or the police force or the military or whoever is responding as well. So, um, for example, in Mashhad, I, I read that um, quite early on during the day, what the Basiji were doing is that they were riding around on their motorcycles on the sidewalks and trying to disperse any sort of group or crowd or anything like that, even if it was in front of a store and had nothing to do with the happenings of, you know, demonstrating and, and chanting or anything like mm. that. So you can see that they're they're fearful of people gathering in mm. any way because it's been so instrumental. I wonder, yeah, uh, did you see that, uh, that, I mean, there's, there's disturbing videos mm-hmm. and then there's videos where, where it that exposed the Basij as such lunatics. Did you see the video of the the cop or the the Basij member or whatever just just hitting a bunch of motorcycles <laughs> yeah, and yeah. wanting to just destroy, destroy yeah. anything to do with anybody who wants to fight for democratic yeah. change? I mean, it, it, you know, it's I, I don't want to say it's comical because the whole situation is so horrific, but it's th- those kind of videos are just are such an exposition of mm-hmm. how bankrupt this regime is in every way right. including including you know tactically and morally and uh w- w- what an embarrassment you know to see this stuff um shy what did you what did you what were you feeling as you saw those uh those uh, I, I have to admit I know this is becoming a daily occurrence because we said this happened when we looked at Berlin too. But seeing the pictures um, from Sarkis, uh I, I got emotional. Oh yeah, uh, I, I've never been there, uh, you know. But I, I mean, it just it it felt the it, you know power with the people, man. Yes, mm-hmm. and for me, the thing what was like kind of fascinating was that usually we we see the demonstration in the city like with the buildings and but this was and in the dark yeah yeah yeah. yeah. but this was like in the kind of a middle of a road in the like mountain and desert and it was like a scene of a movie an epic Mm -hmm. movie like game of thrones yeah (laughs) it really was yeah it really was and the other thing actually (laughs) happened yesterday was the there was some uh, the regime called it terrorist attacking uh, some mosque in Shiraz, Shacharak, which was really interesting. The reaction uh, people w- they are saying that this time we don't buy your axe, or uh-huh. you know, yeah, because that's an old trick, huh? That's an old trick, yeah. To yeah. say what? To say to say to kill the people and say oh because the you protesters did this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, they they uh, they seem to have found out who it was so quickly. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know, that that's the part that boggles my mind is, you know, one, no one's going to believe it anyway. Mm. But, you know, I just sometimes I can't believe the stupidity of the regime. I mean, you know, to go ahead and, and commit something like that, an act of quote unquote terrorism, which yeah. they've done themselves. Yeah. And then to come out within hours and say, oh, we know who it is. Well, yeah. yeah. And at the same time, you you know, we keep seeing more and more reports of little kids who've been killed mm -hmm. and uh i mean again too many to to say all their names even That's at this right. point uh, it would start to take a, a bunch of the show to do it and it's it's it is every time a reminder that this is um uh that this is real stuff and and uh life and death it is. this is why statements by robert malley you know um reflective of the regime of the regime the biden administration uh, i mean some people would call some it a regime uh, uh, reflective of the of the, of the white house or not or uh, as he said I, I mistook my words i said i i misspoke or something yeah. you know um are so difficult to hear in this moment because um you know, uh, it's it's a daily occurrence. Mm -hmm. We know that the deaths. Are, even when I see those death counts that are you know two hundred and fifty people have died now or something, the official ones, the Amnesty International kind of one, I, I'm so sure that it's higher than yeah. that, right? We we all are. We know that. We we know that they can't possibly count mm -hmm. um, what's happening in all kinds of places in Iran, uh, and so it's it's frightful. Um, it's frightful the situation. We we have a, a a situation I mentioned on Monday that. Um, I want to talk about it again here, and I, I'm going to talk about it with one of our guests because uh, she she says that it's, it's happening to her as well. This is this thing um, uh, that's happening to some of us in the diaspora who are speaking out about Iran, uh, especially if there's any uh, platform of any prominence. And I dare say it's happened to me and, and Rook Media. This is something called internet shadow banning. Now, there's some cases where it's overtly done, where uh, there's accounts that have been disabled mm -hmm. or they're unable to, to post or anything. And then other ones, like us, there's something called shadow banning going on. If you are listening to us right now, um, and particularly if you're probably listening to us on a platform that isn't Instagram, but if you're you know listening to us on our social media platforms, it means that somehow this has gotten to you, this has gotten through to you, um, and because it isn't getting to uh, all of our audience. Shadow banning is the practice of blocking or partially blocking a user or the user's content uh, for uh, from some areas of online of the of an online community in such a way that the ban is not readily apparent to the user. So we don't know, like we didn't know earlier this week, why all of a sudden mm -hmm. uh, there's you know a drop in our views and uh, and and not just in our view count, but we can see that less people are able to view our stories, are able to view things that are shared, our content that is shared. Then of course we started talking to other people. And um, hearing that this is this is happening to a lot of folks who are posting about Iran, uh, and it is a it is a very I, on Monday I, I use the word dystopian. It's a very scary thing that's happening, which is that Iran's crackdown, the the IRI crackdown that is, um, is is not just happening within the borders of Iran. That's where it's happening brutally. That's where it's happening most importantly, and that's that's where it's happening in a bloody way. But 
we've heard about agents of the, you know, it was two years ago that Abbas Milani was on the show saying there's thousands of, of agents of the IRGC in, in, in the Western world, you know, um, trolling around looking for ways to disrupt. Um, this is some of the way that we see that's happening. We can't say this empirically. We can't say we don't have the official word and evidence on this, but it is way too conspicuous. It's way too widespread. It's way too obvious that something is going on. Yeah, and I actually, I found out something else about shadow banning, and it's that um, your current followers are the only ones who will see your hashtag post if you're using one of these quote-unquote banned hashtags. So if we're going with the theory that, <clears throat> you know, hashtag Massa, I mean, your hashtag Iran Revolution is banned, mm. then if you're hashtagging that on your posts, only the people that follow you will see that. If the people who follow you now repost what you've posted with those hashtags the same thing will apply to them so only their followers will right. see it so despite your profile being a public profile it never reaches anyone who's not a follower mm-hmm. and and that's the problem is that that's where we see the decrease in views and the decrease in, and, in and, activity and, and as keon mentioned on monday you can you can see it in personal um platforms where where you put up if you put up five stories four are about iran and the mm-hmm. one in the middle is not about iran that That's one right. suddenly has a, yeah. a, a gazillion more views than the other ones yeah. in other words people are able to see that it makes no sense if you put them up chronologically why one is being seen and the other mm-hmm. is not um so something is afoot and i don't bring this up or you know we one doesn't want to bring this up to sort of um cry about our views not being as much as we want them to be or something it's 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 the retarding of, um, it's the undermining of the move, movement of information mm-hmm. that is important information. It's, it's the undermining of the ability to to, to keep um, the enthusiasm and the, the movement in the diaspora flowing and for, for, for people to be sharing ways to organize and to help and support and all of that, right? Yeah. Uh, it is, it's very, it's disabling. Now, mm-hmm. again, on most of our platforms, we're okay. This is something that is, I guess, harder to attack on, you know, an Apple podcast platform or something. But yeah. in social media, it's um, yeah. it's happened. It seems to be meta. <laughs> and when you put it beside next to like Robert Malia's statement, you know, you everything. Ca- I mean, because uh, against maybe this is not necessarily from Iranian regime, but maybe there are some people in Western world that they are. We don't know. We don't. We know. don't know. And I am the last person to want to buy into conspiracy <laughs> theories, but. Th- th- it gets to a point where things are way too yeah. conspicuous. Yeah. Um, why would it be that all of a sudden, all kinds of people in the United States and Canada and other Western places uh, are having trouble posting stuff about Iran? Mm-hmm. And w- in a moment when we're posting things that are particularly and, poign- and pointedly anti-regime, it's a uh, um, so. I mean, if you're if you happen to be listening to this and you work for Meta, <laughs> and you have, no, if you have a, a, a job that specifically uh, can can help explain this or, or help us out, by by all means, get in touch. This weekend, there's going to be another um, set of demonstrations. Mm-hmm. We wanted to actually give a shout out to this. Uh, there's things happening all the time. Really great petitions. Really great protests. Really great that we can't support. We can't mention them all, but we should mention this weekend. Um, there's a human chain idea. You want to explain? That's right. Yeah. So it's being organized by the Association of Families of Flight PS752. And um, the idea is that um, we're going to be creating a human chain. In Toronto, specifically, the human chain will stretch from Young and Steeles and go south on Young all the way to Harbour Front, which is Young and Queen's Key. Mm. 
that's roughly about 30 kilometers um, across Young Street. If you're in Toronto, that's where it's going to be. Um, it's going to take place in 40 cities worldwide so far, and cities are continuously being added. You can have a look on the website, um, add your city if you organize it there. Um, and the idea is, again, more awareness, right? And, and this way, through the, through, the, through the manner of creating a human chain. It's great. It's a great idea. Um, uh, hopefully that'll be, you'll be here in Toronto at that. I will uh, be here and uh, at uh, the Hopefully human chain. Uh, there's a human chain in uh, Istanbul that I can uh, be part of. Um, I, I should also just mention before we get to our first guest, there's a couple of initiatives that I, I think are really inspired. Um, some people have been collecting money and being and putting up bill, big billboards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's the one at Times Square that uh, got a lot yes. of attention in the last 24 hours and, and in New York and, and there's been billboards here in Toronto and Los Angeles, et cetera. Um, there's that big mural of uh, Massa I mean, in Los Angeles, Los Angeles that is yeah. quite fabulous. There's a group in Toronto uh, who did something that I think is really cool too? I, I can't remember. I think they called Freedom for Iran or Freedom for United Iran, something like that. Um, the initiative is to print up a whole bunch of signs mm-hmm. uh, and put them up everywhere, yeah. um, like like campaign signs, like like you you know. And it was funny because there was a municipal election going mm-hmm. on uh, last week in Toronto, and so so there were these signs of people who are running for mayor, yeah. and then there's a sign with Mass Army D. You know, it was actually really cool, you know. Yeah. And this group did a really great job. I know they've got a couple of hundred volunteers who are part of this, who are you know putting these signs up everywhere, mm-hmm. and, and it's a way of saying wherever you are in the world, um, you you know put bring awareness by uh, putting things in people's faces whether it's the mm-hmm. it's stickers or buttons or or the um who we're going to speak to, who's got this idea of putting these flyers in, mm-hmm. in the Iranian businesses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's telling when they say, no, I don't want to put that flyer here. You know, well, why not? What's your agenda? Yeah. But the idea of putting these signs everywhere um, is a really inspired one. They only last a few days because people take them down, take them city down, officials, yeah. or I don't know, people steal them, whatever happens to them. But uh, very cool idea, I thought. Mm-hmm. I've noticed um, something similar to that. I was uh, on Young Street a couple of days ago, and um, there was actually a Korean restaurant that I saw this happen in and they had just put a flag behind their window and just walking by that was so heartwarming an Iranian flag an Iranian flag uh, yeah well w- which Iranian flag it, it was just <laughs> the colors and then it said Iran in okay, the middle so right. I guess unofficially okay, the Iranian yeah. flag um, but it was so heartwarming it wasn't a Korean restaurant supporting Jomu Yeso no <laughs> <laughs> no but it was just so heartwarming to see that you know non-Iranian communities also stepping up and doing their part in terms of raising this awareness mm-hmm. in any way they can so. yeah that's been uh that's been that's been great all right um thank you guys uh thanks for our, our regular roundtable uh, let's go to our feature guests um i'm i'm stoked that we have these people coming up on this show today uh and let's go first to los angeles first up um an Iranian singer and music producer who's the lead vocalist for the band Niaz. So she was born and raised in Tehran, but has been living and working in the diaspora, Canada and the United States for many years. She's been very active in the protests and movement for freedom in Iran in recent weeks. And she's just released a new version of that Shervin revolutionary anthem, Baraye, along with her partner, Loga Ramin Torkian, and with the likes of Mamak Khadem and Hamed Nikpay and others. And uh, Azam Ali is the guest, and she joins me from Los Angeles. Azam Ali, are you there? Hello. 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 Hello.
Hi, Jeonjun. It's so nice to be with you. Thank you for all that you're doing these days, just covering the story and amplifying the voices of Iranians inside Iran. You're very kind. Thank you for saying that. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. You know that I, I feel that way. I, I, listen, I want to talk about your new song that you, you guys just released, but I thought we'd take a step back. It's the first time you've been back on the program since since this new era, post um, the killing of Masa Amini and everything that's happened after that. Tell, tell me on a broad level first how you've been processing the last six weeks. I think I'm processing it the same way every other Iranian is. Uh, living in the diaspora, There's a, it's a sort of admixture of fear, excitement, and uh, I want to also say survivor's guilt because uh, we, there is a sense of paralysis that we want to help and we know what is at stake and we know that people are, very young people, are going out on the street with their lives in their hands and we are in many ways not able to really do, do much, you know, we, we are watching it all unfold from the comforts of our lives and in the safety of our lives, so it's a it's it's a very difficult um in in some ways i think post-traumatic state i get the survivor's guilt and i get the excitement part in terms of the inspiration of these young people who are in the streets and are changing iran and potentially changing the world tell me about the fear part the first thing you said fear why fear because you know that by the time this is all over there's going to be a lot of more beautiful young people who will have lost their lives and every each one that um, we lose is you know it's it's a family that's ruined forever and um, you just wonder how, how many more how many more before this is over so there is a sense of uh, fear and doom about the whole thing you know because it's just I don't see it ending anytime very soon you you're in Los Angeles. You've been active there, as I said, in 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 the protests and stuff. I mean, sometimes that that the the Iranian community in in Los Angeles, as big as it is, can sometimes be seen as quite um, staid or, or 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 benign in terms of uh, getting involved in uh, activism like this. Uh, that's not been the case this time. There's big demonstrations in Los Angeles. There's a lot of organizing going on. Tell me, if you will, from your perspective, what the vibe has been like, and and maybe what has surprised you about what you've seen in in the diaspora from the west coast of the United States there. Well, I cannot talk about demonstrations without saying that Toronto put all of us to shame. You you, you guys, really, the numbers there, I mean, 50,000 is not a joke. Um, Pre-Berlin, pre pre-Berlin it was the biggest, but Berlin has no. Yeah, but I'm not con considering Berlin because that's, you know, multi people went from multiple countries. True, true. Uh, we're talking about a single city. And... Um, for me personally, I'm a bit disappointed in the numbers that are showing up in, in Los Angeles because we have half a million Iranians here, if not more. We should surpass Berlin. You know, there's no reason why there shouldn't be at least 150,000 Iranians uh, protesting. Uh, but, you know, it's it's getting better. I think one of the problems is also just the, the layout of the city. It's so... 
it's so inconvenient to drive from one place to another and the and the large protest is taking in taking place in downtown LA which is not very accessible for a lot of people but um, there I think for all of us who are attending the protests it's 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 a place to just go and feel like you are doing something mm. because there's only so much that you can do with posting and you know talking about it with your friends or talking about it with neighbors there's only so much you can do and there's a this sense of unity and solidarity that you feel when you go to the protests and you you know that you are feeling mm. the same thing that every other person there is feeling and i think we just have to keep it up we just have to keep going keep protesting and if for nothing else um really to show those inside of iran that that we are with them and they are not forgotten they're not fighting alone well you reference these episodes we've been doing with the voices inside iran with the young people who are on the front lines in iran and and consistently they have told us week after week that it does make a difference to to them when they see the numbers outside of Iran of people supporting them. It does make a difference to them when they see the kind of high-profile um, people speaking in, in favor of what they're doing. It does make a difference for them when they hear the chants and see the excitement and the inspiration from, from across the world. So that's, if nothing else, a reason for us to keep doing this. And I, I don't want to get too in the, in the weeds about the um, the diaspora Olympics of which city is doing more than another city, but I, but I will say as a sidebar, it's funny you met you referenced that 50,000 plus uh, demonstration we had in Toronto. I when we were on that demonstration it was happening there was one simultaneously happening in in Los Angeles and um I, I was with Baba Kamini we were walking uh in in Toronto amongst these 50,000 people and he was talking to someone a, a pretty high profile person I guess who was uh who was in the in the march in in Los Angeles who was saying exactly what you said that they were a little disappointed that that the the, the the numbers that should be represented in a city that has that big a, um, a diaspora community uh, have not been out there. That this is to take nothing away from all of the active people in Los Angeles who've been doing great great stuff. Uh, but if if you were to take a guess, or if you were to look at the DNA of what's going on there, what why, why do you think that is the case that it hasn't been as active as some of the other cities like Vancouver or or Toronto or even San Francisco up the street? I think um, I, I can say that one of the areas where I feel um, we are failing is uh, advertising the the demonstration. I think a lot of people just don't even hear about them. I mean, I heard about it just from close friends in the community who are extremely active like I am. But I have not seen anything across my social media or I don't get you know i mean i just i just don't really see it anywhere i think there needs to be proper advertising in the magazines that let's say the older generation reads that perhaps the young generation doesn't read and just a little bit more effort in terms of the um visibility of of the demonstrations just we just need to know when it's happening exactly how it's happening and you know it, it's just we're, we're not seeing that as much as i would like on on uh, so on social media platforms all right that the last 24 hours have been pretty epic in iran um both amazing in terms of the the masses the the people back out, out on the streets everywhere marking the 40th anniversary of the the murder of Masso. um but but also again uh, i i 
feel like I overuse the word, but devastating in terms of the way we've seen people shot at, uh, detained, killed, etc. Uh, in terms of this, this, the 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 sustainability of this um, of this movement that hasn't gone away, that that has transformed itself from a protest into a revolution by by the means of abs- of just not not evaporating, despite the crackdowns and the the harsh actions that we expect and see again from this regime, maybe more brutally than before. Um, tell me. As someone who, you know, a lot of these issues, whether it's patriarchy or, or um, you know, near genocide in Iran or, or all, all of the things that are imbued in, in 43 years of frustration are not new to you. These are things that you've, you've talked about for years. Tell me how you feel about these massive demonstrations continuing, that the, that the energy of Iranians across Iran um, yesterday over the last 24 hours has, if anything, grown in terms of the power of this movement. I think that, uh, you know, this This would also, in, my response would include another question you asked earlier, which I didn't answer, is what has surprised me in this movement? I think what has what what i think is just shocking and amazing for all of us to see is that there is a generation of iranians that we had no idea what what they are about you know it's um i think we go about our lives as iranians in diaspora and we just assume that those inside iran are very similar to us in many ways okay with different you know sort of life circumstances but suddenly you're seeing that there's this entire generation who are their own people you know and what what does that mean in terms of the bigger movement as we are dismantling dismantling old power structures and it so it's a new iran has to rise from this and it's going to be their iran their version of iran it's not going to be what we always dreamed or our parents' generation dreamed, oh, one day the revolution will end and we'll go back to the way it was and the way Iran used to be, the sort of nostalgic architecture that we have all sort of been sustaining in our minds Mm. of an Iran that was. And I think what is very beautiful for me that I'm realizing is that that nostalgic Iran is always going to be a part of who I am and my internal landscape. But the Iran that is going to emerge is the Iran that these young people are going to build. Mm. And it's going to be a very different Iran. And I, as someone who is not familiar with their lived experience of what it's like to be there and to have been born and raised under such a tyrannical regime Mm. i have no idea what it is they are going to design for themselves but it is theirs to design and it is our place to support them in every way we can to not build the iran we envision but to help them build the iran that they want to live in what a it's such a profound point and may i express my surprise that you've come up with a profound point but uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's always a shock, uh, but uh, no, it's um, 
uh, it's such a profound point because there's a lot of lip service. I like to think it's not lip service. I'm the one I, I, amongst many saying it that, that that you know we owe this to the young people of Iran. They are the de facto leaders, despite the some of the people who are doing great organizing outside of Iran, etc. That you know these 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 guys are leading it, but that. The next step has to be true too, which is that um, if they're if they're responsible for you know building the new house, then you know uh, we in the diaspora and older generations, no matter how long they've been in Los Angeles or or DC or Toronto or wherever, uh, are not going to be the ones des- you know uh, having the say of the interior design of the house. It's going to be the, the the young people that have to do that. It's a, uh, the same people who are leading things in Iran. It's a very profound point, and I think it's an it's going to be an important important lesson for the diaspora to learn. I hope that it's going to be possible. Yeah, that part I'm not really sure about because, you know, I, I you know, I'm like everybody else. I've, I'm obsessed with everything now. I re, I watch and listen to all the different analysis that, you know, is floating around of what should be done, what should not be done and where it's going to go, where it's not going to go. And this is one thing that I don't hear anybody talking about because the reality is that most of us have lived our lives now in our own respective countries, cities, wherever it is that we are spread across the world. None of us are going to leave our lives. And some of us who have children who have been born in other countries and they have their lives, we're not going to uproot them and take them back to Iran. So it's really not our place to design a nation for these people. You know, We may have a connection to it, but it's it's not our place anymore to design it for them. Well, a lot of people are going to go back or want to. It, 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 the part of the reason why a lot of these conversations don't happen is because it sounds almost irresponsibly premature, right? As you said earlier, uh, there's a lot of bloodshed. Uh, there's a lot of torturous um, uh, days ahead of us before we were we can even dream about uh, the, the actual eradication of this regime. And there's so many w- ways that things could go sideways that that can be pretty terrifying, back to your, your point about fear. Um, but yes, it, it, it feels like a conversation we also need to start having, that, that um, self-determination for the people inside Iran. Uh, even if some of us want to re- return and, and enjoy a coffee there without having to wear a hijab or um, uh, be told what kind of music we have to play or lyrics, uh, it still is is ne- going to need to be self-determination for Iran is what you're saying, right? Absolutely. And I think, if anything, uh, one of my bigger hopes, which comes back to sort of my my work that I've been doing alongside my my artistic life, which falls somewhere in the intersection between uh, art and education. And that is, um, you know, when we when we we we've talked not not to completely segue into a different conversation, but if we're talking about the decolonization of arts and Hmm. sort of going back to Iran prior to it becoming a nation state and, you know, before it was colonized and how we were really an empire under which we had so many different ethnic groups Mm -hmm. and religious groups who thrived and all lived together. And that's what made Iran the beautiful mosaic that it is. And, And I just feel like we lost a lot of that when we all sort of got lumped under one umbrella Mm. as the singular identity of what is Iran. And I look at what's happening now and I think this generation is going to do 
exactly that. You mm. know, I mean, one of the things that I wish was being talked about more, which I don't think majority of Iranians are ready to talk about, is um, the fact that, you know, still I, I very, very rarely see the fact that Mahsa Jina Amini uh, that there is any reference to her being Kurdish, that, you know, that actually what Kurdish people have endured under mm. um, under the Iranian regime, that the whole movement of Zanzendegi Azadi is a Kurdish movement, yeah. you know, these are all, um, you know, I, I want to have that bigger conversation later on. No, not it's to not mention, hard. not to mention, Azamjan, the the places where that are bearing the brunt of the the crackdown yes. are places like Sanandaj in Kurdistan, exactly. or 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 Zahidan in Sistan Balochistan, or the ethnic outlying areas, not the big the big cities where the the regime presumably has to be a little more careful in terms of uh, the way it cracks down in Tehran or Shiraz, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, those are things that I, I hope we talk about more and more because, you know, here is this Kurdish woman who has become, she became the sacrificial flower for this whole, um, you know, I mean, I just feel like they are setting fire to a nation that was not serving its people anymore. And from these ashes, they are going to build their own nation and she was the match. She was the spark that lit this fire. Yeah. And we have to recognize that she was a Kurdish woman. You know, we have to recognize this. So I, I, I have a greater hope that not only will there be a better Iran uh, to come out of this, but it will be a U Iran that will be a much more unified Iran in terms of its ethnic and religious groups. I, I, I really believe that this generation is going to deliver that. It, 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 this may sound antiquated already to even question this, but the, the way you're talking uh, sounds quite hopeful. You do believe this is this is the revolution without putting a timeline on it? I think this is it. Uh, it may, um, it, it, it all depends on, you know, I, I think it's going to be very hard to achieve it without some sort of external hand coming sort of and helping the people I mean, we all know that if the Western forces wanted to uh, meddle in and help move things along, th that they could, but it's not in the interest of the West to to do that. And also with the war in Ukraine, they kind of have their hands full. But uh, or, or they'd be meddling in a way that we don't want. Um, so it's a it's a tough line yeah, to walk to. So yeah. it's it's a tough one. But but I I think that. Uh, it, if we continue from the outside to support them and they have it in them, you know, you, you also, the spirit, everything is finite, unfortunately, you know, how much fight they have mm. left in them is really only, only they know that how many more days can they take to the streets? How many more daughters and sons can they sacrifice? Mm. So, so we just have to sort of wait and see, but my feeling is that this could be it. And if it is not it, Definitely in the next five to 10 years, this is going to happen again and again, because a brutal regime of like course. this one that we're seeing, they're not going to stop uh, oppressing people and killing people for mm. no reason. This is this is in the DNA of this regime. It, it's, it, it's a it's a rule by violence and oppression regime. It's, it's interesting when, when people say, well, how do you want the world to help and intervene then? And when you say you don't want imperialism, you don't want to, you know, America to go in and take over. And it's kind of like, well, 
we have a pretty good example from this year, you know, Ukraine. It's 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 just you know the, the case studies there. There's a there's an example of where the world has um, correctly, uh, you know, and and quite um, admirably uh, stepped up for a country where you, you know it seemed like there were atrocities being t- taken place and 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 people came came to their aid socially, economically, um, politically, culturally. Uh, and that continues. I don't. I, I don't see why it's rocket science to be able to do that for Iran. Sadly, it doesn't yeah. seem like the same thing is going to happen for Iran. But certainly, the world is waking up in a way it hasn't before, right? Well, I think also, you know, what you mentioned is something that I I read a lot on my own because you know that's all I post about now since since all this started. And uh, I I read. You know, I have a close relationship with my fan base. So I read a lot of the comments and many of them refer to exactly that. Well, how do you want us to intervene? On one hand, you tell us don't intervene. And I think, um, unfortunately, we there is an empathy deficit when it comes to Iran, particularly in the American and what, this American mind. And, hmm. and that is, it is so deeply rooted in this, in the subconscious of the American psyche. Hmm. Um, the I think since the hostage crisis, there is a sense of it's it's hard to generate empathy for for the Middle East in general, mm. you know, but Iran specifically. And um, I'm I'm not afraid to say that it's easier for them to empathize with a nation where white Europeans are being killed. It's mm. Somehow that that trig- that is much more of a trigger it's probably it's, the, it's probably something within our own survival mechanism internal survival mechanism you know you feel like you are being attacked the same way you and i right now feel that we are being attacked with what is happening in iran i assume if i were a white european or american i would feel that way about what's happening in ukraine hmm. So I think the the first step is sort of also just generating any kind of empathy in people um, because they don't ask those kind of questions about Ukraine. Why should we, why are we giving billions of dollars to help them with their, you know, with fighting? Why, nobody questions that. Although there's, I mean, the empathy does not always have to be, um, uh, direct, you know, doesn't doesn't have to play directly into identity politics. Your your buddy um, Armin Amari was on the this program a, a few weeks ago, saying, "Look, we were there for Black Lives Matter. We were there for Ukraine. We were there for you, you know. Now it's our turn, isn't it? Uh, for for everybody to come and support us. Uh, we don't, you know. I, I always say you don't have to be South African to oppose apartheid, right? So um, um, it's it's something that we'd like to see the world step up to to be there." For. And I, I do, I should say, I mean, I did an essay earlier this week on the, the rebirth of Iranian pride. And, and one of my, one of the points I was making in there was, uh, um, we, we're, we, you know, for, for, for people like you and I, who've been, uh, grown up, grown up mostly in the diaspora in the last, um, uh, few decades, um, we're so used to being the Hollywood villains. Um, we're so used to the stereotypes and generalizations. We're so used to looking our sh- over our shoulder or whispering that we're Iranian that that to see big name um, celebrities or uh, you know pundits etc. now supporting Iran 
aliens is is almost kind of a shock to the system you know it's like whoa this is this is new this is a this is something different this is kind of inspiring so it is happening on some level it's just not anywhere near the kind of level that we saw um perhaps uh, um uh in in the in the spring with ukraine um Yes, I think I, I think if I can just interject that, yeah. I think part of it is that, um, you know, when we're talking about Black Lives Matter or, you know, the LGBTQ uh, community or anything like that, I think because uh, we interact, I think majority of, you know, Americans or Westerners, Europeans, they interact with, you know, Black people or LGBTQ people every day. And it's kind of somehow it feels kind of closer to home, but... I don't think people think too much about, you know, the fact that, you know, so many Iranians live in their community and there is this sort of general narrative that is embedded in the mindset yeah, yeah. of of the Western world that, you know, it's the Middle East. There's always been something tumultuous yeah. unfolding there. They are all there's always infighting, there's always religious wars. And I don't I think a big part of being successful in what we are trying to achieve outside of Iran is uh, our success is entirely going to be dependent on uh, partially educating people yeah. about about the yeah. reality of Iran because mo- even people who I know who are intelligent people who are worldly people and well traveled well read people even some of them are not don't quite understand how that Iran was actually that the Islamic Republic wasn't always there no. it was a <laughs> imported idea it was an imported ideology and you know it's sort of you you have to begin from there and then they begin to understand and oh wow so they have been oppressed they have suffered for so many years and then it it kind of just comes from there so a big part of our success is going to be dependent upon the right narrative that all of us who have any sort of influence that we make sure that this Converse, that this keeps being repeated and repeated and repeating because just posting, you know, one of the things I decided early on, I'm not going to keep sharing videos of the protests because it doesn't mean anything to anyone. Mm. All it does is, is reinforce in the minds of people who don't know anything about Iran. Oh, it's a violent area of the world. It's the Middle East. They're savages. They always fight. There's always something. So instead of that, you, you have to first you know introduce the right narrative Mm. and then contextualize what is happening without the context it just doesn't make sense to people i got you you i mean let me also uh, issue a a small corrective too to which is to say it's not like important social movements whether it's lgbtq uh, plus or or um or civil rights uh, movements etc are are exclusive of what's happening in iran i mean that's part of the part of the battle for freedom includes uh gay rights or includes uh ethnic and civil rights etc so it, it is all part of a piece um but armin's point and the one that that we're making about uh wanting people to empathize as you say i think that's a great word is is understandable given that we haven't um felt that kind of global empathy certainly in the last 43 years tell me about the decision to do another version of bad oh yeah um with the this group of talented people including yourself that you've uh, coalesced together 
Well, the, it, it came about because, um, you know, Arash Avin, one of the singers in the video, he's a very close friend of mine. And, um, you know, he's a well-known singer. And we were just talking about how we, we were getting hundreds of messages from fans just requesting, please sing this song, please sing this song. And I was just observing what what was happening in terms of, okay, there were people going to be covering this song and, um, and every time I thought about doing a version of it, I, 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 I couldn't help but feel that no matter how I was going to attempt to do it, it would be self-serving in some way. Mm. If I was going to do a solo performance of it, it was kind of like riding on the coattails of this artist. Who right. Had this right. I, I, I want to hear how you worked yourself through that because that there has been a little element to that, not to take anything away from all the artists that have done it, but I've, I've always, I've been kind of going, well, Shervin's was iconic. Why, I, what's the philosophy behind doing these new versions? But so tell me how you worked through that. And I struggled with it. I'm not going to name names or anything, but I was kind of disappointed. I don't think I've seen any that, that which I felt were classy and did justice to what Shervin had done. You know, it was um, every time I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm Azam, you know, I'll, I'll do it in an elegant way. I'll do it. But every time I sat to do it, I thought, no, this is going to, it's, there's, there's no way to be able to capture the soul of what he hmm. tapped into at that moment when it, I mean, it, it was a, it was a, for lack of a better word, it was just a moment that could have only happened in the stars. Mm. I mean, it's one of those, you're you're an artist yourself, mm -hmm. you're a great musician yourself, so you mm. know that when those moments happen, they are so rare, and when it happens, it's an event that takes place in, in the heavens. And, and every every element of it, the the every the vulnerability of the vulnerability of his voice, the exactly. even 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 the shitty production, like it's not you know exactly. produced like everything makes it an anthem. Everything makes it, it the everything. right anthem. And also right? the fact that you know if you're a songwriter, you think there's almost an unfinished quality about it. But yeah. you know, at the end, he. It's unfinished. When he goes to that end section, you it, and even that for me was iconic because it showed that this has no end. There's no there's wow. no way to end yeah. a song yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So then I was sitting there just thinking about, okay, the fans want it because they need that healing right now. They want they want to unite because that's what art does. It serves a purpose in mm. social and political movements. People it unites the voices. So of so, so your your fans were saying do baraya? They were, yeah, they were asking me, and then the Arash, I was talking with Arash, we were just hanging out one night, and he was saying so many people have been asking him. Mm. So then I had this just moment of, you know what would really be beautiful? It's instead of me going and doing a version, like any other artist who's not going to try to use this moment to get millions of viewers mm. or millions of, why don't we come together as a collective of artists who nobody would think that we are going to ever work together mm. or do something together. <laughs> and why don't we make a unity statement? I wanted it to be a statement of unity. And also, I mean, when Ramin and I, you know, sat and we talked about how to produce it, our only goal was, you know what, we're we need to preserve the integrity of what he created 100%. Like mm. we cannot add a sentence we cannot add a melody we cannot add um, our own words we cannot we cannot change it because mm. it was per it's a perfect song mm. you know so how do we preserve the soul of what he created 
but actually bring our our statement of unity as artists from the outside. Mm. Now, to, I, I, I think I have a sense of this, but explain how this cocktail of particular musicians represents a statement of unity. Well, okay, so uh, Mamak and Ramin were in a band for many years. Actually, they were in the most successful band, Axiom of Choice, which, you know, which Ramin had started. And it was uh, basically with Axiom of Choice, they introduced a new genre of Iranian music into the world. I mean, they really changed the landscape of Iranian music. So they are, they were an iconic band. And then we, and then they, of course, split up and, um, and then we started Niaz. Mamak went on to have her solo career. Hamid Nikpe has a successful career on his own. So when I started making the list, I told myself, I'm, I want to make the list of people who no one, who even I myself would never have approached them to do something together. Mm, mm. You know, this was very important for me. It was about stripping myself of my own sense of pride or any it, it, it was something that was happening first within myself you know I, I said okay who would be very difficult for me to reach out to and say let's to get together to do this difficult in the sense that if they said no or it you know I, you just don't know how people are going to react in these moments so mm -hmm. i made a very short list um to start with and then people started hearing that i'm doing this so i started getting a lot of calls from singers and musicians, I want to be on it, I want to be on it. And then I decided, you know what, I want to start with this core. And it's a very short song. Mm -hmm. So we didn't, we didn't want to redo it. So I said, let's just record us. And then if there is space, we'll bring in others. And then Ramin did this like heartbreaking string orchestration for mm -hmm. it. And by the time we all recorded something really magical happened. Mm -hmm. And I shot the video. So I had I you know, everybody recorded on their own, but I needed for all of us to come together at one point so there would be this unified energy behind it. So I said, okay, you're all coming to my house and we're gonna shoot at my house. So we set up, I brought food and, you know, we, uh, we just hung out and I shot everyone that day. And it was such an emotional day just for, mm. I don't think any of us had ever been in the same room together, you know, and we ate together. We drank together. It was so emotional. We all embraced. And there was just, it's exactly what I wanted to happen. Wow. Happened. And that is that um, we became this united front. And honestly, now that this is out there, I, I feel like if I didn't do anything else as an artist during this movement, I have made the ultimate contribution and statement First, to Sherwin to honor what he did, because honestly, his production, his song deserved a, a high quality production without tampering with perfection, mm. because his song is perfect as is. It's perfect. And and I want, and you know, Ramin and I said, we're, we're going to keep the soul of what he did. Mm. So we achieved that. Second of all, these, you know, you should hear, I wish I could just make public the texts and the voice messages that we all have been sharing mm. all the singers on this it's just so emotional how we mm. all just thanking each other the love the tears the sort of you know and, and it's it's very powerful yeah. it's very powerful yeah. you know
Did did Hum and Nick Pay text anything crazy? Can you make that public? So we he can't... has to. <laughs> no, he's been he was he's been so he's, he's so his, so his voice is so amazing in this. He's so it, he's such so an ama- emotional person, yeah, you yeah. know. But you know the the thing also is that um, Arash is different. Arash is just such a soft spoken and you know gentle soul. But Hamid and I are two blazing fires, <laughs> you know, and you cannot put two raging fires next to each other and not expect some sort of you know com- combustion you know so so it it's been very nice actually we've kind of bonded over over this whole experience and I I, honestly imagine. i have not talked to hamid i, I, I want to say in 15 20 years maybe zero contact nothing so it's been really um wow. since we did the song and the video i think we've had We've come together three, four times just to eat and just hang out wow. and listen to music. And well, listen, we're so gonna we're, we're gonna play the song at the end of the episode in the hopes that even more people will hear it. But before we, but we, I, I let you go. I have to talk about the fact that I make the point about before people uh, hoping that people will hear it because I understand that something has happened. Um, just in the last few days since you posted the song that has been happening to us. And I don't like to lead with this. We talked about it a little bit in our roundtable earlier, um, but I don't like to lead with it because it, 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 I don't want it to seem self-serving. But we are um, here at Rook Media have been experiencing something that is being called shadow banning, which is, which is um, a suppression of our content um, not on all of our platforms, but on Instagram, Facebook, on, on Meta, on Instagram in particular, where suddenly people are having trouble seeing it or are not getting when it's shared. They don't see that. They, um, the posts don't come up. The views, therefore, um, have have been completely different from what they were uh, a couple of weeks ago or last week even. Uh, and I understand this has happened. Now, and, and we've we've talked about the fact that there are a number of folks around the world talking about this, especially those in North America who have platforms of some significance. And if they're talking about Iran or dealing with Iran or are Iranian, um, they are suddenly seeing their content suppressed. Um, and it's the only conclusion is that it's something nefarious. So this is an experience you guys have been having with this video, right? Yes, actually, Arash Avin's uh, account uh he he he's locked out of his account now because what they do it's it's a it's a cyber attack strategy that they employ in which they they'll have hundreds of people simultaneously report an account um and it's just the way the algorithm is if enough people report an account for it can be anything for violent content for anything um immediately the you get locked out of that account and by the time a human being gets around to doing the sort of investigation to see what 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 it is and and then realizing that it's a hoax and then letting freeing up the account you know an account has already a person has been silenced for at least a few days you yeah. know it's going to be or a few more. days yeah so uh, it happened to Arash's account today. So we all started texting each other, change your passwords because, and make it really complicated uh, so that, um, you know, they cannot hack into your accounts. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, this is the only strategy now they can employ is to, to try and suppress our voices outside. Yeah. And it's also happening, it's happening on our social media, it's happening uh, for those of us who are performers and wanting to go on stage, you know, there are various tactics they are employing to 
to silence us from even going on stage and yeah. talking about what's happening in Iran. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure what is the if there is a way to sort of fight back on that. I think it's um, so much of it is just out of our hands. You can only change your password so many times. And um, yeah. in terms of it's it is still very disheartening to see that Meta it's, it's, has not been more. That, uh, I was going to say Meta could you fit you figure could do something. Uh, it's not yeah. happening on other platforms, you know. Certainly with Rook Media or you know SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, everything's uh, chugging along. But but yeah, but, but but the other thing is it is it is incredibly dark. Uh, you know, just to think about what 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 we're actually talking about here. We're talking about a a regime that hasn't just terrorized its own people or sponsored some terror in other places, but now is is in a, involved in a global effort in whatever ham fisted way and for however long this will last um, to to suppress people talking about supporting the people in 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 the country, right? In Iran, I mean, it, it's really. Uh, uh, as I said the other day, dystopian. It's uh, it's it it's it's very very dark stuff. So it, it's, um, and I'm not sure if it's a good thing to draw attention to it or or how what the prescription is. I mean, I, I if if anybody's listening and they have a a connection to Meta and, and can can start asking some questions uh, or you know deal with these accounts, I would. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm employed by I work for Meta. You know, I produce music for them, but it's a completely different uh, department. So I just I have no one I can contact to to see. Wait, what you what what do you, you work for Meta? Yeah. I, for the fa past three years, we've been under contract with them. We produce music for their sound collection. Uh -huh. so, so far, we've produced over 100 songs. So it's basically because they have publishing issues That's with right. the, That's right. for video content, music. So we've done, you know, it's, it's the best job I've ever had. They're wonderful people. I mean, the music department there is amazing. I don't want to say it's like being with the regime, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but I wouldn't. I don't, I'm no, not it's sure. Just, it's, it's such it's such a beast, you know. I know, I, mean, I know, it's I know. The, and I'm sure there's a lot of incredibly amazing people who it's work a, at it. It's incredible. I, I mean, like the music department there. It's just my my boss. My bosses are they they are just the most incredible people. And it's, as an artist, I can tell you, I've never worked anywhere where I was so respected and treated so well. So wait a minute, you can't talk to your bosses to, to about this. No, because it's a completely different department. You know, it's a completely different department. It's 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 a city. Well, don't they have there. the extension to the the other department? Or? No, I'll I'll ask for you. Yeah, Gia. please. <laughs> well, I no, just no. Yeah, I, we we're looking for anything we can to get to try no, and figure honestly, this out. I I I I will I will right. do that. But right. um, but I just know from things in the past where I've tried to sort of ask people I know working inside Meta if they can connect to other departments for, for sure. completely yeah. unrelated to music things. Yeah. It's been um, it's it's very challenging. Yeah. But you know, even beyond even beyond this physical, I don't know if it has happened to you because you are a public figure. Mm -hmm. Is do you worry about your physical safety at all? Uh, I mean, that comes with the territory. I've that I've had that for years. That's that's no, I know, but especially at a time like this, you know. You know honestly, I have, I have honestly, I, I, no, no. The answer is yeah. no, and I'll tell you why. Because I, I, first of all, I've always gravitated towards going to where the fire is. Uh, the, that's kind of a journalistic instinct. But second of all, I, 
I can't help but think, and I know not, you're not suggesting this, but uh, that that we're we're in the line of fire like th- those others are. But but I, I can't help but think of all the people who are much more closer to the action in in all kinds of ways, um, who are dealing with the, you know the folks in Evian prison right now for doing nothing other than making a film or uh, writing the wrong song or or saying something yeah. at a protest, right? So I I don't I don't feel like I have the luxury to be worried about my own safety, but I, I completely respect anybody who does. And I, I hear you in terms of you getting up there and playing a gig, um, you know, especially in another country or something. These are weird days. Yeah, there's a, I mean, I honestly, I think about it only because I have a child, you know, who's with me and it's a, I think when you, when you're responsible for another life, it becomes a completely different issue because I've always been an activist. I've always been outspoken, um, but ever since I became a mother, it's something that I've had to con- to consider take, I mean, more seriously is, mm. you know, for example, it's just little things that I don't do now. I would not do now that I normally do, which is come out after concerts to sign CDs and take pictures with fans. It's just, it's just about, you know, you, you have to protect the, the people you're responsible for, wow. you know. Yeah. So those, but 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 I think the reason I'm bringing that up is not so much because um, to 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 portray ourselves as as victims or anything. It's just to say that's how dystopian it is. Yeah. That it's something yeah. here. We are living in a free society. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, here we are just expressing ourselves. No, I mean, and, 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 but, and, but it's still something that it's in the back of your head of yeah. okay, I have to be cautious. Yeah. First of all, the threat is not imaginary. It it it's happened all over the diaspora that that people have been attacked or or detained or or, or suddenly they disappear or whatever that 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 has happened. But it also is a part of a collective trauma. I mean, how many people have you met that um, who've come from Iran that say? Uh, you know, even Shia was saying a couple few weeks ago that um, I don't I don't know what it was. We were at a um, it was it was some event where there was just loud sounds. I think it was a, a positive event. I, I can't remember what it was. And, and Shia said he was freaking out because it sounded like gunshots to him. So um, he, he he equated it with being in Iran and, and explosions and the and the war and things that he's experienced in his life. So. So there's fear based on on legitimate concern, and there's fear that's already inside us as as a product of coming from this place that's basically been terrorized for 40, 43 years. Yes, yes, but I, I really if I, there's one very important message that you know I I'm trying to sort of propagate everywhere you know on my own social media platform or anyone I have a conversation with. Is that that we we are you know there is so much stress at the same time involved with, with what we do you know people underestimate actually how stressful it can be mm. and that's why it's so important to support artists during this time artists who are using their voices and their platforms mm. to instead of promoting themselves to really shine a light on what's happening in Iran and this um, you know, I think it, it is happening a little bit more than it was, in, you know, even just a couple of weeks ago. But there's still a part of the mentality is to, you know, asking artists to be quiet, not perform, not do this, not do that. And this this need to silence artists at a time like this is uh, so counterproductive. Yeah. 
because you know we we are the voices now we we have this you have this opportunity with your show i have the opportunity every time i get on a stage in front of an audience that's primarily non-iranian as am i i always treasure our conversations i really appreciate your wisdom your perspective your passion and uh i thank you so much for this today uh, thank you. It's always such a pleasure to engage with your brilliant mind. And, you know, I'm really sorry it was under this circumstances mm. because uh, ever since you changed format and went to video, we've been talking about doing um, a proper video uh, interview, a not even an interview. It's really a conversation between friends and um, just promise me that if we triumph, we're going to do another one where we get to celebrate together. Amen. You know, what, what if I, we were, really what, what if we were do it, to do it in in Tehran? Uh, why not have that conversation? Uh, that, I think you know. I keep getting all these messages now, and all my posts, all the fans from Iran say, you know, hopefully soon we'll see you on stage in Iran. And I mm. keep thinking, of, I've never been able to visualize that happening until now. For the first time in my life, I actually can envision what it might wow. feel like if I go on stage and all I can tell you is I don't think I would be able to sing. I think I would just start crying. Wow. I can't even go there in my mind. I, I, I wouldn't too, be able to. Too, no uh, one could console me and I think I would just cry <laughs> on stage and then I would just come off the stage. I don't think I could do it. Honestly, it would be so emotional for me. Here's hoping. Thanks thanks for okay. doing this. Thanks for the song. We'll play it. Uh, uh, at the, we want to go out on it. So we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jayam Janam. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right on, sister. Bye-bye. The breath of the morning I keep forgetting The smell of the warm summer air I live in a town Where you can't smell a thing You watch your feet For cracks in the pavement Up above Aliens hover Making home movies For the folks back home Of all these weird creatures Who lock up their spirits This is Rook episode 210, The Uprising, 40 days and no going back. Well, we've talked about how it was an epic day in Iran yesterday, marking the 40th uh, day since the killing of Masa Amini. It happened, there were protests, there was action in all kinds of places across Iran, including the big city of Mashhad. We're going to go to Mashhad right now, and one of the people who's been on the front lines of protesting since the beginning of this 40 days ago, uh, her name is Azadeh. She is a young woman who's a translator. Uh, it's one of the things she does in Mashhad. Azadeh, are you there? Yes, I can hear you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. We really I'm not sure my English... Okay. I'm not sure my English ability can afford this kind of action, but I try my best. You, okay. you, you sound great. Your English sounds good. Um, and if you ever want to switch into Persian a little bit, that's okay, okay? Thank you so much. That was my BS for you. 
Uh, Also, yesterday was a a big day, the 40th day uh, anniversary of the the killing of Masa Amini. I know there was, obviously we've been talking about it throughout this show, there were protests all over Iran, including Mashhad. You took place in what was going on in Mashhad. Describe for me what what happened there. Um, I don't know how much you know about Mashhad. Uh, Mashhad is not a place but usually things take place you know and majority people are not known for partaking in this kind of protest but last night they have they have shown that they are really tired of this of living this life of living in such you know, and for example, and last night I met a girl named Massa. She had a three-year-old daughter, and she told me she left her cell phone at home. She, before she left, she asked her husband to take care of her daughter in case she never comes back, and she came out just to fight for her daughter's future because when you say this friend left left her daughter and 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 with her and or told her husband you know I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back did you do you feel the same way when you go out in the streets did you have the same kind of feeling Yes, of course, because I I am 30, and I already feel like half of my life is over. This half of my life is over, you know? And um, I feel like I should be taking bullets, not the kids in the street, because many of them are kids, you know? And... Azadeh, have you been going on demonstrations before last night? Yes, of course. I've been in all of them. And it was I la- never missed the date. And was last night bigger than the other ones? You said it for Mashhad, it was a big, big spectacle. Yes, it gave me such a big hope, you know, because I was getting disappointed, but it was the biggest thing ever, even in Mashhad. You know, we were over 200 people and we were blocking the street and the guard came from four ways, I mean, from the street, I mean, which I is I don't know what is that, and <laughs> from the main street and uh, they were coming with teasers. I don't know how, but I managed to run away. But, and uh, there was a car, and the cars were just um, beeping. <laughs> the cars were just beeping. And um, I don't know, I, I when I managed to run away, I uh, was confronted two guys. One of them had a stick, and one of them had a teaser. And I just ran into the street 
between the cars and one car just opened the door for me and they saved my life you know wow. uh, in only maybe one second uh, I was able to jump in the car and they covered me with um, coat they covered me with a coat and the guard came and looked through the windows and they didn't see anything and they saved my life our our connection isn't great but i th- i think i hear most of what you're saying so so you you got into this car at the last minute and got away did you know the people driving the car no i didn't know them and uh, there was a mother and his son and his daughter and uh, the mother yelled get in the car just get in the car and i don't know how what i managed to get in <laughs> Wow, and this is. I mean, it's it's amazing. People are pe- people are really hel- trying to help each other in the midst of these these protests and the crackdown by the exactly. Wow, everyone is tired. You, can I ask you? There, there were. I'm I'm pretty sure there would probably be dem- different demonstrations. Mashhad's a very big city in different places. How did you find out about the when the one that you went to I, with the internet crackdowns and all of that? How do you even know where you where you're going to go? Uh, when you uh, this last um, days, this last days, uh, I mean, in the last month, I've been in the streets almost every night, and I could see in the eyes of people that. Um, I, I mean, uh, you know, almost every night that there wasn't any protest, and I could see in them in their eyes uh, that this is the best place. <laughs> you know, people just gather around in some places. Okay, uh. Uh, for example, at the first street we were in uh, one, we were in one street in one street, and we cracked the hell out of that process. But <laughs> after that, uh, we were led into some trees where there were more gods than people. But uh, in the last few nights, uh, people were waking up uh, like they knew where they should gather around. And they did. Last night, Azadeh, if you've been going out every night all this time to these protests, can I ask you, have you, at any, any point, did they arrest you? Have, they, have you been injured? Has, has anything happened to you? Or have you, you've been able to escape every single night? Yes, I've been able to escape. And uh, that is because Men in this country are very brave, okay? They throw themselves in uh, the most dangers to save us. And the only time I've been injured um, was when they 
میتونی فارسی اینجا رو بگی ولی میگفتی که with your look and everything. But uh, I actually remember Saber when a man hugged me, hugged me just to protect me from guards who mm. were coming at us with sticks, okay? And I don't know how he said that moment, but he saved my life. I, I have many, um, many these experiences and uh, but i think i'm very lucky so a lot of people were expecting that after a few weeks um that this would die out with and especially because um unfortunately we've seen the horrible th- when the regime cracks down and situations like Auburn these things eventually um can't continue but it seems like in Iran this this revolution is continuing can you tell me about the energy that you're witnessing from other people on the demonstrations or the people that you talk to or the people that you meet in Mashhad mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'm going to tell you something different to answer your question, okay? All my life, I have wished I was uh, anything, any person but an Iranian girl, okay? I actually thought maybe I was Hitler in my past life because um, now I'm born in Iran in one of the worst cities and I... I'm suffering such a weird life, okay? Mm. Uh, so I decided to study a few more languages and I go somewhere and disappear and uh, I go somewhere and live somewhere that there are no Iranians and I can't forget Farsi, okay? But uh, actually in the last few weeks, um, there's something in me that says, um, okay, everything you've been through, that can pass on, and you can make a life for other girls born in Iran that is better than this, okay? I don't know, and that is the energy I'm getting (laughs) from other people around the Iran. Wow. That is something I owe to them. So you're 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 30 years old, and it sounds like the last six weeks have changed your life. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They've changed your own relationship with being Iranian. Yes, exactly. I've never been a nationality. <laughs> I. Never had any. I have never had any love for Iran, but now I feel like I'm a part of these people because not just me. Everyone believes 
That's the, that's kind of the most in- incredible thing I've ever heard anybody say. I mean, that's a that's a that's a big deal that this this social movement, this political movement, this this moment in time in Iran has fundamentally changed your your path. I guess it's it's no secret then why you you're not going to give up anytime soon. Exactly. My family please don't know where I'm going every night. Your family don't know where I you're come going. Every night, some night injured, some night okay. Uh, I have almost every night nightmares. <laughs> but I still go out every night. And I'm not getting tired of it. And Azadir, before I let you go, I have to thank you so much for doing this. But I, I should say, um, you are Azadir in Mashhad. And in this entire series we've been doing, in most cases, we've been using pseudonyms. We've been changing people's names. You wanted to use your own name. Um, and I don't blame anybody for wanting to change their name when they do these interviews because it can be a little scary. You're not scared, huh? No, I'm not. Because I think I have nothing to do. And I love my real name. <laughs> it's a lovely, it's a lovely name. What do you want, before I let you go, what do you want, there's people who are listening to you right now, your voice in Mashhad, the day after uh, big demonstrations, the ones you've been going on every night, what do you want people around the world who are listening to you right now to know? What do you want to tell them? I actually don't know what to tell to people around the world, but I have something to tell to my, to people, to young people, you know, to people in my country. That to know the only time you can know you are brave is the time when you are brave. And you can't know you are brave by watching movies, by watching, I don't know, in a background or anything. You want, you want every, you want people to, you want people to be brave and join you on the streets, it sounds like. Exactly. I, that's all I want. I don't want my friends to leave me alone in the battlefield. Azadeh, I, I I can't believe you're you're out in the streets. I know it's it's in the the, the wee hours of the morning there. Um, I'm so grateful that you talked to us. Thank you for your courage and thank you for um, the the fight you, that you're leading in, in a place like Mashhad. Merci, Vasin. Thank you so much for this, Azadeh. <laughs> Take care of yourself, okay? Paranoia 
episode 210 the uprising 40 days and no going back if you want to listen to any of the episodes or watch anything from our last six weeks of coverage of the uprising go to our website rockmedia.com rockmedia.com where you can see all of our previous episodes outtakes videos etc it's all there uh let's continue from our voices inside iran we're going to go to tehran right now and a young woman who has also been on the front lines of demonstrations. She is a, a musical artist, and uh, we're going to use the, the pseudonym for her, Lilac. Uh, Lilac, are you there in Tehran? Yes. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. I understand that um, you you you've, you're in Tehran. You were active in the big protests that we saw happening across Iran, but also in Tehran uh, yesterday. Describe what last night was like for you. Um, I was in the street, hijabless, and um, I was holding my scarf above my head and walking down the street. Um, and I ran into IR forces and they told me to go, um, but I ignored them. <laughs> Suddenly a man um, uh, through the protesters came and sprayed pepper spray on my face and made me to move. And it was terrifying. Um, and uh, this happened to me. And um, I think a much more terrifying uh, stories are uh, with another people. And this was my story to tell. I know there were big protests in, in different parts of Iran, let alone different parts of Tehran. Where you were, was it a group, a big group of protesters that you were amongst, or were you by yourself? Uh, I was by myself, but uh, in the group of protesters, I didn't know. Um, and we were a lot. It was a big group. Yeah. Can, tell, can you describe, um, uh, Lilac, we've, we've seen 
um, footage of, I mean, there was seemingly 100,000 people or more in, in Masa Amini's hometown uh, yesterday. There's, there's protests everywhere. Can you describe what the energy was like on the street in Tehran last night in this protest? What were people, what was the feeling that you had and what were people saying to each other? Um, I actually uh, didn't talk uh, to anyone because uh, there are many uh, people that uh, I don't know uh, if I can call them plain clothes. Uh, is it the right word? It to... is. It is correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there are many plain clothes. Uh, among the protesters and uh, I was afraid to talk uh, to anyone um, but um, I guess uh, everyone uh, has uh, hope and um, they want this regime they want to end uh, this regime and I think uh, it's good and coming have you been going on demonstrations for the last six weeks, or was this one of the first ones you've gone to? Uh, no, uh, it was the second one, the third one. And and how how do you feel it has changed in, or how how do you feel? Was it any different from anything before? Uh, the 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 group of people was bigger and. Uh, uh, I think I myself was um, more brave uh, and I guess uh, maybe the other the others are more brave too. Well, it sounds like you're very brave because you're going by yourself to a protest of, with a group of people that you don't know. Uh, that would be intimidating to do here yeah. in Toronto for me, let alone for you in the middle of a, a crackdown from the regime. Tell, tell me about the courage mm -hmm. that you have, why you feel your, the ability to be able to do that. Mm, uh, I want Islamic Republic out of my life. And... Uh, I actually am afraid of the future with uh, Islamic Republic. Uh, and I think this feeling uh, bugs me up to fight against them. What do you mean you're afraid of the future? Like it could get even worse than it is now? Uh, yes, sure. I'm pretty sure that uh, it would be... Uh, Horrible. Uh, yeah. Mm. Are your family in Tehran? Yes, yes. My do, family are in Tehran. Do they know that you go to these demonstrations? Uh, yes, and they uh, they are afraid. And uh, but uh, I think uh, I'm afraid to. Uh, I know what I'm doing and I know um, there would be consequences, um, but I'm afraid of the future too. And uh, I think going out and uh, protesting is now uh, the move I can 
make and uh, I I rather to go and protest. Lilac, we're seeing um, we hear we hear reports about the the Basij and the um, Islamic regime forces and and, and police uh, being exhausted in some cases. There's some videos online of in some of the cases get them getting chased away by a bigger group of protesters. Uh, are are you seeing any of that, or um, was the the presence of the Basij as strong as it always has been? Uh, yeah, uh, I can see them. Uh, I think uh, they are exhausted, and uh, we know that uh, they just have gone, nothing more than gone, and. It's it's bad and also it's not bad because uh, if we take their gun, they have nothing. And I think this is not power. And uh, I think uh, we can win. <laughs> Are you? Uh, how, how? I'm. You're in Tehran, and so I'm assuming you're connected. You. You know that this that yesterday was a big day all around Iran, right? Yes, yes, yeah. And and you must also be aware of those of us in the diaspora, those of us of Iranian background outside of Iran, that there's been massive demonstrations around the world here in Toronto, the giant one in Berlin last yeah. week. How, how does does that? I mean, I. I don't mean to say this is self-serving, but you like we don't want to pat on the back, but we want to know that we're helping somehow. Does that make a difference to you guys? Uh, it did, yeah. Um, I think uh, that was uh, that was good, but uh, some some part of it was, um, I think, some part of it was not. Uh, as good as I thought that it would be, uh, but overall, I guess uh, that was uh, good. It had a good picture for uh, the world, I guess. You're talking about Berlin now, in particular. Yes. May I ask you what the parts that weren't as good as you had hoped were? Um. <laughs> it's hard to uh, say it in English. Uh, say this part in Persian <laughs> if you want. You can say this part in Persian. I, okay. Um, سانسور می شدن یعنی اون کسایی که دوست داشتن که سخنرانی هم کنن سانسور شدن و اصلا تا جایی که من میدونم اصلا جزو آدم ها مشروط خواه ها یا امثال اونا آدم های غیر چپ حضور نداشت و به نظرم این هم خیلی جالب نیست که به عنوان یک اتحاد یک سری آدم ها رو بیاریم توی خیابون توی برلین و 
بعدش اون اتحاد انگار وجود نداشته باشه چون من مطمئنم که آدم های خیلی زیادی اونجا بودن که بهشون اجازه داده نشد که صحبت کنن و این بخشش که قابل پیش بینی هم بود چون لیدر اون عقاید رو داشت ولی You feel like the, the, the speakers in Berlin, uh, those who got to speak, were not as diver- did not reflect the diversity of voices that you would prefer to hear. Yeah, yeah. And that they, in, in some ways, were not as open and as frank as you would like them to be. Yes, yes, sure. What do you? If you were to, in a in a nutshell, we have a good connection with you here. So if you don't mind me asking, I'm going to ask a, a couple of extra questions. I'm so happy to be talking to you. Do you, do you, you know, you said earlier you don't want the Islamic Republic anymore. And that's, um, we know that part. We know um, <laughs> it's, sometimes it seems like there's, we can't find anybody who does want the Islamic Republic and except for those who are mm-hmm. directly tied to the regime. What what is it that you yeah. if you were to put it into words what is it that you want? Mm-hmm. Uh, liberty. <laughs> we don't want reform. We don't want to talk. Uh, uh, just liberty and uh, liberty is opposite of Islamic Republic, mm. and uh, we want liberty. And, and what does, in your mind, Lilac, when you think about liberty and you having liberty in Iran or in, in another place of the world, what does it look like to you? What do you think of? Uh, for me, um, as a woman, uh, the, just the basic uh, things, uh, I... Uh, I want to have the right to sing, uh, the right to play my instrument, uh, the right to uh, wear the clothes I want, um, and uh, and just basic things. I I'm not thinking so much, and. Uh, that's it i guess i don't know <laughs> everything and nothing well it's really important to hear these things because when we're sitting here in the west and we hear about you know activism and protests and um we have to put it into context of just how crazy what's happening in iran is you are willing to put your life on the line by going to these demonstrations just for the right to be able to play the guitar and sing in public. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's heartbreaking that uh that you are in a in a situation in a, in a place that where you are unable to do that. Does it do you, do you I mean how do you feel about Iran? Would you if if things can change there will you want to stay in iran or does it does does this feeling of hating the islamic republic make you want to leave the country forever um 
I think uh, I would stay in Iran um, and uh, after this regime ends, uh, I think I can, uh, I have options <laughs> now. I, I, I don't have so many options now, but uh, if uh, uh, Islamic Republicans, I think uh, I have options and I can uh, think about it. But uh, now, um, and at this time, uh, I think I'm gonna stay. Do you think those of us who are um, outside of Iran, um, Iranians or otherwise, even non-Iranians, do you think we understand um, mm. you, people, the young people inside Iran? And if we don't totally understand you, what should we understand? What do we need to know? Um, I think... Um, we all of us uh, mm, should know and read history and uh, talk to people that uh, uh, tell us uh, history uh, in the right way, not uh, the way that they want to. And um, I think, yes, uh, you can understand and feel us and uh, that's good for me for us can i ask you a weird question this is i i, I mean i these are uh, peachy deck questions i'm asking you in some way so i i appreciate that you're playing ball and and you're helping to answer them but <laughs> but the the let me ask you this you're 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 a young woman i mean you were born and you grew up with this Islamic Republic. You're supposed to be one of the people that they they brainwash or indoctrinate, and you know make make believe that all of the things that they want you to believe about Islam or wearing the hijab mm -hmm. or what gender roles or all of those things. How is it that you and so many, seemingly an entire generation, has basically mm -hmm. um, defied being able to being brainwashed by them and is giving them the middle finger? How how is it that you've managed to do that? Do you think? Um, <laughs> uh, not easy. Uh, not only the regime, but also some families and uh, father, mother, and uncle, aunt um, could uh, pressure make me to do. Uh, something that I don't want to. Uh, it was hard, and it is hard. Uh, it's not over. Um, I I keep reading and searching and um, talking to the people I find safe and I find um, people that are aware um, and. Uh, it is a hard task to do, but I keep trying, and uh, I guess I have uh, some um, point of views now after 20 and 
seven years, 27 years. But you know what's really cool about it is that if there's one thing that I, I lament about the West is that I feel like people grow up here and, and are not really brought up to be critical thinkers. They sort of follow things, uh, you know, and, and, and now it's mm-hmm. just become people follow their, they're in a bubble of who they follow on Instagram mm-hmm. or something like that. But you, out of necessity, and your cohort, a new generation in Iran, especially even those younger than mm-hmm. you, are you really are kind of forced to be an independent thinker, aren't you? You have to, mm-hmm. you have to intellectually defy everything that you're being told, yeah. everything that you were taught, everything that is the societal uh-huh. norm. That's a lot to handle. Besides going in the demonstrations and and fighting against the bullets, I mean, you are you are. Incredible yeah. independent thinkers. Uh, I guess so, uh, and um, I think uh, it's not. Um, uh, I think that uh, we should be proud of. Uh, I think the actually the children and teenagers uh, should live in their own world and have their uh, their childhood and live their childhood but uh, unfortunately it's Middle East and uh, I guess we we born fighters hmm. and uh, <laughs> it's not good it's not a uh, it's it's wrong um, but it is what it is. <laughs> And um, yeah, it's yeah, it is what it is. I thank you so much for the time you've given us. If if um, if you were to to tell me how you're feeling about where the movement is right now, it's been six weeks. Um, mm-hmm. It hasn't died. If anything, it seems to be growing in some ways. Are you hopeful? Uh. Uh, a hard question to answer, but uh, I think this time we learned a lot of things. We want a lot of things, and we are uh, conscious about many things. About many things, not everything. Uh, and we should keep trying. Um, and there are lots of ups and downs for me, and I know for the people around me. But um, I'm, I tr- I'm trying. I try to um, affect people around me and encourage them to make a move in their own scales. Not all of us can fight on the streets, but some can write, some can, I don't know, make music, and some can only announce that I'm against this regime. and. Uh, I think um, every. Uh, I think these things are going to help, and uh, I think the future is bright. If and when this regime is gone, let's say we were to snap our fingers and there's a a free Iran, what's the first thing that you yeah. would, what's the first thing that you would want to do in a free Iran? Mm. I think I'm gonna cry. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. I I didn't think of it. Uh, I'm gonna dance and I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna hug every uh, people I I see in the street and uh, I'm gonna sing um, and. Nothing special, but special for me and for Iranian people. Sounds pretty special, actually. Lilac, thank you. Please, please take care of yourself. Thank you. Merci. No, And your English is excellent and um and I'm thrilled that we got the connect the the phone connection we did and and again I thank you so much for your time. I know it's uh in the middle of the early morning there so I really appreciate it. Good office. go to London, England now for my next feature guest who has been very instrumental in demonstrations and actions for the movement in London. Rukhsare Mohamed Khani has a PhD in physical chemistry. She immigrated to the UK around three years ago. On the day of the death of Massa, she stood in front of the Iranian embassy in London to raise awareness. She subsequently cut her hair at a demonstration in Trafalgar Square. Um, that video of her doing that went viral. Uh, and she has started a grassroots campaign to raise awareness around businesses that don't support a free Iran. And right now, Rukhsare Mohammed Khani joins me from London. Hello. Hi, Jian Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show. I, I really appreciate it. I know how active you've been and Hasan uh, because I know you got home really late last night from a demonstration. Let me let me start, Rokhsar, uh, with, with a very general question uh, that I've been asking people since I haven't had the chance to speak to you since um, since this new era, the post-Masa uh, Amini being murdered era. Tell me about, first of all, what the last six weeks have been like for you. Just describe that in any way you want. Actually, I think we all have two emotions at the same time. You know, it's hope and pain that we are going through. And 
you know, at the same time, we are learning each other and we are growing because I think that we all knew in these things. Although, uh, I've been activist since I know myself, I've been fighting for very basic rights that as a woman, we, we don't have in Iran, you know, I spent the majority of my life in Iran and I have too much pain, you know, because I, I always see that how my, my peers and girls suffer from, you know, the three levels of dictatorship that we face, you know, it's not about government, that we have this dictatorship in family, society and government. And we have to fight, you know, and it takes too much energy of us. So we, at the same time, we need to be professional in, uh, you know, in our career, but we need to fight. So how we can manage it? You know, it's hard. So as a woman, you know, we need to, uh, you know, the men need to appreciate that, how hard it would be to fighting for a very basic rights that you as a man already have mm. and thinking about career and being professional and expert as, you know, maybe your talent or your uh, innate ability that we all have, but it takes too much energy of us. A couple of weeks ago, um, on social media, you posted, we are everywhere. We are not afraid of you. We are not hidden, hidden from you anymore. And yeah. we, we keep fighting until your end. Who are you speaking to? Well, thank you so much to say that. This is my slogan. I always trying to awakening people, you know, that this is not us, that we are not going to afraid of them. Because as you can see, we are all over the world. Why, why we are keeping silent? And why we are so conservative? Because we thought, we taught at a school to be conservative. Our family, the society just asked us to be silent, you know, to not get arrested or not to be on the, you know, on the TV or something like that, uh, to report you and, I'm what I'm trying to do here with my I, I made a video clip and I also go to the businesses to raise awareness that is the time that we stand together that we are not afraid of them anymore. So why why we still cover us and don't want to stand? But if we were, if the last 43, I mean, presumably when you're talking about them, you're talking about the, the regime in Iran in terms of being afraid of them. Is that who we're talking about? Yes, yeah. I'm talking about the, the Islamic regime. If the last, if, if, if the last 43 three years were characterized um, uh, understandably by the population being captive under their rule through fear, through intimidation, through terrorism... Uh, 
what has changed do you think why are we not afraid of you uh anymore as you put it yeah actually you know that i think that this time is different because it starts with the very brave young girl who shouting their rights you know because this generation is completely different from our generation, you know. They are not afraid of any power, you know. Even it, it could be family or it could be government or school that you, 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 uh, I live in Iran. You know, and I get got arrested several times, you know, because of singing at the street, because of my, you know, my hijab and because of a very simple action of drinking water, you know, and they are trying to bound me. But what I'm saying that my body just shiver when I pass by the, you know, the morality police, police, and I really afraid of them even though i i always stand and fighting but what i'm saying that this generation is so brave and you know we are just surprised by the bravery this is this because of that it's completely different from the other time yeah you know and yeah, because of this generation, are so braver than us. They're 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 brave, and they they've drawn a line. I mean, um, I'm not putting words in their mouth because we just spoke to a couple of them in, in Mashhad and Tehran on this program who have said, uh, "I'm willing to die to be able to sing. I'm willing to die to be able to dress how I want. I'm willing to die to be able to play my guitar." They just said that to us. Yeah. That's um. That's pretty profound, you know. That's a pretty uh, for for basic rights. Uh, they're they're you know they're they're willing to put themselves out there in a way that um, I agree. Previous generations, including mine, me, I, we just we we would um, live in terror of what the implications would be of of shouting out this way. Um, as somebody who's been an activist for many years, are you are you? I I, I mean. There's so much to be horrified by. I don't want to say happy, but are you pleasantly surprised by the strength of this these new generations? Absolutely. We're all proud of them. You know, we, we just standing back of them and support them. They are in the front line of this revolution, you know, and... I just shot and surprised by the bravery, and you know, it just made me wordless. I, I, I cannot, you know, express how brave they are. But actually, we, what, what we are seeing that the government is trying to oppress the all people, you know. Uh, we all know that the Islamic regime is very, is a very brutal 
and no one would be safe under this regime. Mm -hmm. So that it's it's well known for all people in Iran that uh, we all know that we are not safe and we have nothing to lose this time. This is what I'm saying that, okay, if we have nothing to lose, why not? Mm. Rukhsar, let me ask you, let me get to one of the reasons why we've really wanted to have you on the show, which is this initiative that you've taken recently um, where you've suggested that we shouldn't shop, we being the global Iranian diaspora, and, and, and in fact, beyond Iranians, I would imagine, that we shouldn't shop or work with businesses that don't want to support a free Iran. Tell me about the idea that you got. First of all, there's an area that people who are familiar with London, or if they watched our documentary called um, uh, Talking to Persians London, we even went there. There's an area of London uh, called Finchley, North Finchley, Finchley. where um, there's a great deal of Iranians, especially Iranians who've come within the last decade or two, uh, have opened a bunch of restaurants and businesses there and, and sort of um, little shops. Uh, tell me about the initiative, the idea that you got to go to those businesses and what you did there. Yes, actually, we there is a list in London that say that like, this restaurant and this shop is part of Islamic Republic, so boycott them. But I, I never trust this list. I just wondering how can I uh, prove this list mm. and. After that, that our team, uh, because all organizer, we are in a team and made a QR code. I don't know that you know that uh, under this QR code, there's a link to sign a petition, you know, and um, send a letter to MPs. And I'm just uh, wondering, and maybe it's a good idea to uh, ask them to support us by just um, sticking this uh, QR code because it's just not... Uh, poster or a photo of massa it could save life you know uh, and so so the yeah, just, sorry sorry let me just, so the explain so the idea was to take uh, a flyer or a piece of paper that has that QR code on it go to these yeah. businesses and rather than to prejudgment ju judge them you go to the business and say hey yeah. will you will you put this somewhere in your business to support uh, the people of Iran it seems like a, a very simple request at this time when there's so many people around the world who are part of this movement uh, so what did you find yeah I, I'm just trying to find this flyer for you uh, you know because yeah, I'm just head to the restaurant and introduce myself and say, "Hi, I'm I'm Rokhsare. I'm not under any party or communist or monarchy. I'm just a very uh, young. We are part of a very younger, you know, team who are trying to raise awareness. And actually, I've never." I, I've been never thought that it could have been like that. You know, it just beyond my expectation. It happened suddenly. I, I, I never thought that it went viral. And because I came to London just 10 months ago, you know, and I thought that why we are trying to raise awareness and, and uh, we ask the UK government or UK 
people, British people, to stand in solidarity in, with Iran. Why we uh, don't ask the Iranian who has a big, you know, businesses and like Farsi restaurant that has a chain of restaurant and supermarket. So wh why not ask them to support us? Sure. And because it's the very simple thing that we can ask them because as a, as an Iranian community, and uh, we are trying to keep our, you know, movement trending, you know, so if um, someone, for, because in London, you can, uh, and also in Toronto, you maybe have a very big community of Iranian. Mm -hmm. So by, you know, spreading the war, uh, and having um, this QR code like that to want to support Iranians or something like that. But when someone passed by this restaurant and just, you know, um, pay attention to this and then other restaurant see this and just uh, something happened in the mind. So what's going on? Frank, frankly, you know, I, I would I, I would think it's a no brainer. It's a it's a simple thing for a business to do, and probably I would assume it's it's actually good for business. There's so many Iranians who are enthusiastic about this right now. Why wouldn't you put that display that somewhere in your shop or in your window? So what what happened when you went and asked them to do this? Uh, you know, I, I, it just not for fast restaurant. I also have experience with other restaurant. They just opened the door and asked me to out. Uh, and you cannot imagine, imagine the feedback and the reaction of them because it's uh, the Mujahideen used to do that. And immediately they think that I'm part of Mujahideen, mm. you know. Um, but when I explained to them and asked to uh, have chat with owner, you know, they just refuse someone who I don't know that is part of Islamic Republic or supported by them, mm. but they refuse and never want to talk or meet me, you know, they just ask the staff to, um, the staff to uh, don't accept something like this and we are not going to support not not only Iranians but Ukrainians, Afghans, you know, they just making excuse that we are not politician. We are not ones to engage in Is that, politics. That that was the reason they gave you? We don't we don't engage in politics. Mm, yes. We, they just yeah, they make the excuse that we we don't want to engage in politics. For the rest for the Farsi restaurant, it was the only reason that they told me. And for other restaurant that I also made a story, told me that we have different kind of kind of clients, you know, customers here, like for example, Islamic regime, and we don't want to bother them with you know this kind of a sticker that right. maybe I, I'm not sure they uh, to, told me that. We have different kind of customers. It does raise the question of who are the customers who are, who would be offended by this QR code that's yeah. calling for freedom for Iran. Yeah, honestly. 
So you just offended by a QR code. You end up making a video um, outside of that Farsi restaurant, it's called Farsi, and a, a couple of other places, saying, "Hey, I tried to, uh, you know, ask them if they would take this, and and they won't." And then you, your 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 call is for people to not go to these places or to boycott them. Is that the idea? No, I, I just told them that I'm spreading the word. I, I'm not here to, uh, you know, ruin any individual. I'm just trying to spreading the word about the businesses who are not going to support us. Mm. If they don't want to support us, we also don't support them. That is your choice. Mm. Want to support them or not? It's a very different question from, I know there's some, there's a hot debate going on about whether businesses in Iran, for example, should shut down in solidarity with uh, the protesters at certain times, etc. But that's a different one because there's implications that have to do with the state, uh, you, you know, cracking down on you or taking umbrage at, 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 at shutting down. There's really no reason to not put this flyer or this QR code somewhere in your restaurant. You, you're not even demanding that they put it on the front door or something, right? You're just saying maybe yeah. display this. There's really no reason to not do this except for not supporting it, right? I also, I, I just remember that someone um, asked me to uh, sit and have a chat and it takes more than half an hour. You know, I just not go and back. I, I'm just trying to explain and uh, ask the reason why not supporting us. I remember that one of them told me that I and my mother is sick and I don't want to have problem in going to Iran. And I told, and I told him that, do you know that how can you have fear of just a very simple paper? And you now see that in Iran at the street, mm. the very young girl are so brave to stand in front of several security forces yes. alone, just one one people, and you are afraid of a very simple paper to one day that you are going to back Iran. And I say that we all need to sacrifice. That we need to sacrifice in a, in somehow. For example, we we all can back Iran all together. I also miss my my family. I. I I don't have any family here, but we why are we just thinking of ourselves? So this video that you made of of this action that you've taken with these businesses uh, went viral. I mean, it's got thousands of likes and 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 hundreds of thousands of views. Um, tell me about the kind of reaction you've been getting. But people, yeah, from people, yeah. Oh, I, I never expect that, that, you know, in the people that I'm just walking in London, they just come and hug me and say, you are so brave and you are so strong. I say, oh, thank you. I, I never expect that, that this kind of, you know, and just, it just hit me and come here, come here. You are so brave. Do this, do this with other restaurants. They, they are, they are 
pro regime, others are also pro regime, and say, and you know, the majority of messages and feedback in physically in the street that I'm just walking and show me, hey, this is this is Rukhsare who made the video uh, on restaurant and just come closer and hug me, you know. I, I, I'm so happy to see this that because it shows that we are everywhere, you know, that have you we heard, don't need to hide of this regime anymore. Have you heard from any of the businesses since that video went viral? Have they? Oh, yes, several of thousands. And today I also received a message. I have a coffee shop and, you know, it's awakening. You know, oh, you've heard from businesses uh, that want to put the poster in the. In yes, the please come. Well, what, please about come <laughs> what about the ones? What about the ones? What about the ones that you outed? Do, have you heard from them? Have they apologized or said, "Okay, we'll take it" or anything yes, like that? Yes, I heard uh, from the owner that uh, asked her to come and uh, stick her her uh, papers on my glass. And are you going to do that? Uh. I, because I haven't received direct message uh-huh. from him, but I, I definitely, I'm more than happy because we are not against each other. We we need to stand united. And this is what I'm trying to, you know, to do, to encourage people, to encourage more people and businesses to support us as an Iranian. And I've uh, somebody told me that you've been... Um You've heard from people around the world who want to take this idea and do it in their own cities? Oh, yes. It's so nice. I received from the uh, U.S. to Canada also that we want this paper. How can I provide this? Paper? Because this letter is uh, prepared just for U.K. Uh, sorry, just for U.K., but uh, I, I'm more than happy to send them But uh, from Vienna. Paris, uh, you know, and other city in Italy, uh, in Germany, actually, I'm in touch with uh, people and I uh, got their numbers. And now I made uh, another page, another account in Instagram because uh, it's, it's expanding and it's hard to manage in one account. So I made a group for all people nationwide, not just, you know, not just the UK, to uh, encourage more Iranians to support us. Rakhsa, you, you have a you have a day job, right? You, you you have a job that you work at during the day? Actually, I, I'm freelancing. You're freelancing. Because uh, it's a lot of work, but, what you're doing. It, it, it's, got, it's very time-consuming. Yeah, and huh? I, I'm doing the course, another course. I'm doing a second master. A data scientist master is a full-time master. Wait, and wait a I'm minute! Writing you, my articles. You have a PhD, but you're also getting a, another master's now. Yeah. The PhD wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love learning. I guess so. You're a Persian overachiever, but uh, I, I, my point was that all of this must be taking a lot of your time, huh? Oh yes, I. I I'm just overwhelmed and burned out. But I think it's a, it's the time that the world is watching us. 
is the time that we always waiting for it. Mm. So, you know, we cannot lose, we cannot lose this time. So, uh, I just have, uh, I think one week late night, I uh, went to bed at six o'clock and uh, wake up at 10. I just four hours or even less to check the messages, you know, because after the video, uh, I, I would like to have, uh, you know, the feedback from people. So I don't want to miss the feedback yeah. and also the messages of threat <laughs> because, uh, I need to be alive. <laughs> I don't want to, uh, you, you, get, you, know, you get threatening messages. Yes, I received it and I reported to the police. And because of that, I need to check all messages. Mm. Um, and I, I received that. Uh, I don't know that I, I posted in my Instagram account to everybody know that if something happened to me, the responsibility of this <laughs> killing, this death is by the this restaurant, you know, mm. because they told me that uh, I spread your photo and your page in all of my friends and we are going to find you and do something to you that no one knows is from regime or anti-regime. And are you scared? I'm, I'm never afraid of them. Actually, I just laugh at them. You know, they they are so weak. I think <laughs> they are, they you, cannot they cannot stop and shut our voice down this did, time. Did you we say are stronger did, than that? Did you say you came from Iran just in the last year, ten months ago? No, London. London. And three years ago, I left Iran. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, so London, less. But even three years ago, that's relatively recent. Um, is part of you, given that you are so passionate about what's happening, does part of you wish you were in Iran? Yes. As far as I know myself, if you also ask my friends, I know myself as a warrior. I feel in my heart that I have a mission <laughs> to do something for women's rights. You know, because I always protesting against rights since childhood you know it's something in my heart you know it's not for uh, just this revolution this is something that i've been doing for more than 34 years i i'm 34 years old now <laughs> i figured but that out more yes. than you know since i think that since six maybe six years old i started fighting and protesting. Wow. I thank you so much for the time you've taken. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you before uh, we go. I know that there's one of the things that's being planned for this coming weekend, that would be Saturday, October 29th, is um, for a call for different cities around the world to do a human chain. I know we're doing one. Yes. There's going to be one here in Toronto, and that is happening in different places. You're working on that for London. Tell us a, a bit about that. Yeah, I also fill out the form, and uh, some of uh, the, the people from the PS752 uh, have chosen me 
as an organizer and uh, because i don't know maybe they trusted me as a independent people who is not under any party because they focus on you know independent people good for you and uh, you know uh, i'm so honored and humbled to organize this human chain on saturday and where is that going to be in london uh, we are planning but uh, i think that uh, it if it probable at Trafalgar Square. I see. Um, yeah. Thank you. I I, I I I know this is for people who listen to our program. Uh, this might seem like a, a a question that I repeat all too often, but it's important for me to ask everybody who comes on these days. So let me ask you before I let you go: Are you hopeful? Too much. I cannot say how much hope I have in my heart deep down and actually we need to have hope but this time since when i heard the word of your name would be a mystery you know this this you know this just uh moving in my heart that because uh it it's, I, I don't know how can I say, but definitely this time might be different. And I have too much hope that we will win. Rakhsara, I know it's um, you, you've you've been working all hours and you were at uh, Trafalgar Square late last night. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's great to finally have you on the show and I hope we'll uh, do it more regularly. Merci. Thank you, Jian <laughs> Talk nice to you to soon. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. That's Rokhsare Mohammed Khani in London. Uh, thank you to her and to all of our guests uh, for today's show. This is full time for Rok episode 210, The Uprising, 40 Days and No Going Back. For all information about these episodes to, to listen to or watch any of our previous episodes, you can go to our website, rookmedia.com, rookmedia.com. You can also link to uh, other uh, programs that we have on Rook Media, our uh, previous episodes, our guests, uh, videos, it's all there. Uh, and if you care to support uh, us and what we do, you can also press the support us button at rookmedia.com. We really appreciate that. We crowdsource, and that's how we stay alive. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you have not done so already. Um, we are going to go out on that song, mm. Bad Oye, the, the cover version featuring Azam Ali, uh, Logator Kion, Mama Khadem, Hamid Nikpey, Arash Arwin, and, and Masa Qasemi. Yeah. Um, do you listen to it? Thank you. Thank you to those guys for doing this. Find me on Instagram at Giango Meshi Mizun Bashin. برای توی کوچه رقصیدن برای ترسیدن به وقت بوسیدن برای خواهرم خواهرت خواهرامو برای تغییر مغزا که پوسیدن برای شرمندگی برای بیپولی برای حسرت یک زندگی معمولی برای کودک زبال گرد و آرزوهاش برای 
اقتصاد دستوری برای این هوای آلوده برای ولی اصر و درختهای فرسوده برای پیروز و احتمال انگرازش برای سکتهای بیگناه منوه برای گریه های بیرقفه برای تصویر تکرار این لحظه برای چهره ای که میخنده برای دانش آموزا برای آینده برای این بهشت اجباری برای نخبه های زندانی برای کودک های افغانی برای این همه برای غیر تکراری برای این همه شعار های توانی برای آبار خونه های پوشانی صاب و بیخوابی برای مرد میهن آبادی برای دختری که آرزو داشت سر بود برای زن زندگی آزادی